Chapter Nine of Dorothy Dixon and the Mystery Plane by Dorothy Wayne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Deep Water. The ebb tide soon caught the Mary Jane in the suck of its swift current, and the boat rushed seaward. Presently she struck the breakers, and floundering through them like a wounded duck, commenced to rise and fall on the rhythmic groundswell. Dorothy came out of the cabin, rubbing the sleep from her eyes. "'You didn't take much of a rest,' said Bill, from his place at the wheel. She yawned and caught at the cabin roof to steady herself. Mary Jane's gallop through the breakers woke me up. Sleeping on a hard floor isn't all it's cracked up to be, and the cabin was awfully stuffy. Are you as good a sailor as you are a sport? I don't know much about this deep water stuff, but I've never been seasick though I might be if I stayed in there any longer, though. Feel badly now? No, this fresh air is what I needed. Is that the light ship dead ahead? I just caught the glow. Yep, that's Fire Island Light. I wish this confounded drizzle would stop. The swell is getting bigger and shorter. Must be a breeze of wind not far to the east of us. Do you think we're in time, Bill? Yes, I think so. The weather is probably thick farther out and up the coast, and the ship will be running at reduced speed. It's likely she'll be an hour or so late. There is a ship out yonder, but it's a tanker or a freighter. How do you know that? Why, a liner would be showing deck and cabin lights. Here comes the breeze out of the northeast. It's raining harder, too. Oh, what a filthy night! Bill nodded grimly in the darkness. You said a mouthful. It'll be good and sloppy out here in another hour or two jolly boating weather i don't think but we can't get back into the bay until daylight i'm afraid the big boat continued to pound steadily seaward and before long the lightship was close abeam bill ran some distance outside it then stopped the engine no use wasting gas he said and emptied one of the five-gallon tins into the fuel tank. He went into the cabin again and reappeared with two life preservers. It's lucky the law requires all sail and motorcraft to carry these things. Better slip into one. I'll put on the other. Dorothy lifted her eyebrows questioningly. Think we're liable to get wrecked? nothing like that but a life preserver is great stuff when it comes to stopping bullets gee bill do you really expect a scrape there isn't a sign of the motor sailor yet 
I know, but they're out the here somewhere just the same. Neither of us is showing lights, so in this weather we're not likely to spot each other unless our boats get pretty close. And if they do, those hyenas won't hesitate to shoot. Here, let me give you a hand. Having put on the life preservers over their dripping slickers, they sat down and waited. The wind was freshening. A strong, steady draft blew out of the northeast, and it was gradually growing colder. The rain had turned into sleet, fine and driving, but not thick enough to entirely obscure the atmosphere. Good gracious, Bill, sleet! That's the limit, really. Do you suppose we'll ever sight the ship through this? Dorothy's tone was thoroughly disgusted. Oh, yes, he replied cheerfully. This isn't so bad. Her masthead light should have a visibility of two or three miles, at least. Dorothy said nothing but hands thrust deep into her pockets, with shoulders hunched, she stared moodily out to sea. For about an hour they drifted, the broad-beam motorboat wallowing in the chop which crossed the groundswell. Twice Bill started the motor and worked back to their original position. He did not like the look of things, but said nothing to Dorothy about it. The wind grew stronger and seemed to promise a gale. The low tide with the line of breakers across the mouth of the inlet would effectually bar their entrance to Great South Bay for the next ten hours, and he doubted if they would have enough fuel for the run of nearly fifty miles to the shelter of Gravesend Bay. Then, as they floundered about, he heard the distant muffled bellow of a big ship's foghorn. Again it sounded, and twice more, each time coming closer. Bill started the engine and headed cautiously out in the direction from whence it came. Suddenly there sounded a blast startlingly close to the Mary Jane. This was answered from the lightship, and through the flying scud and sleet they saw a vivid glare. Bill put his helm hard over, and when the steamer had passed about four hundred yards away, he turned the motor-boat again to cut across the liner's wake. Faint streams of music reached their ears, emphasizing the dreariness of their position. Directly they were astern of the great ship. He swung the Mary Jane into the steamer's course, running straight before the wind. It was easy to follow the sudsy brine that eddied in her wake. He was by no means certain, however, that he could keep the dull glow of her taffrail light in sight. That depended upon the liner's speed, which might be more than the Mary Jane could develop. But he soon discovered he had either underestimated the power of the motor-boat, 
or what was more probable the steamer had reduced her own before long he was obliged to slow down to keep from overhauling and so for nearly an hour they tagged along astern keeping a sharp lookout on the band of swirling water little by little their spirits sank as no floating object appeared to reward their perseverance the weather was becoming worse and worse but the sea was not troublesome partly because the mary jane was running before it and partly because the great bulk of the liner ahead flattened it out in her displacement if this keeps on much longer we're going to run short of gas said dorothy still peering ahead any idea how long it will keep up bill shrugged and swung the boat's head over a point note the dimness i'm beginning to wonder if we'll have to follow her all the way to the pilot station and then cut across for gravesend bay we'll sure be out of luck if we run out of fuel with this wind backing into the northwest it will blow us clean out to sea take the wheel said bill abruptly i'm going to see where we stand dorothy with her hands on the spokes saw him measure the gasoline in the tank and then shake his head how about it she called not so good he growled and poured in the contents of another tin this engine is powerful but when you say it's primitive you only tell the half of it the darn thing laps up gas like a bill dorothy raised her arm there's another motorboat ahead both of them stared forward into the gloom for a moment bill could see nothing but the seething waters and the faint glimmer of the liner's taffrail light then in an eddy of the driving sleet he caught a glimpse of a dark bulk rising on a swell a couple of hundred yards ahead at the same time they both heard the whir of a rapidly revolving motor distinctly audible between the staccato barks of their own exhaust the motor sailor bill sure to be it must have cut in close under the steamer's stern let me take the wheel again dorothy okay do you think they've seen us not likely they'll be watching the ship and her wake to see us they'd have to stare straight into the teeth of the wind and this blinding sleet but they'll hear us anyway not a chance the motor sailors got one of those fast-turning jump spark engines they run with a steady rattle there's no interval between coughs ours are more widely punctuated anyway that's the way i dope it they've probably signaled the ship by this time and the contraband ought to be dropped from a cabin port at any time now got a plan i think i have he gave the boat full gas then a couple of spokes of the wheel sheared her off to starboard what's that for dorothy thought he had decided to give up the attempt not quitting are we what do you take me for get out that gun of yours and use your wits 
I'm going to loop that craft and bear down on them from a beam. If they beat it, okay. If they don't, we'll take a chance on crashing them. You tell em, boy, Dorothy had caught his excitement. If they shoot, I'll fire at the flashes. Bill was working on his plan in detail and did not reply. He felt sure his scheme was sound. The Mary Jane was heavily built, broad of beam, with bluff bows and low freeboard. The motor sailor was a staunch craft, too, but she was not decked, and with a load of but two men aboard she would have no great stability. He was certain that if he could work out and make his turn so as to bear down upon her from a little forward of the beam, striking her amidships with the swell of his starboard bow, she would crack like an egg. Bill did not dare risk a head-on ram that might capsize them both. To cut into her broadside at the speed she was making would possibly tear off or open up his own bows the mary jane must strike her a heavy but a glancing blow at an angle of about forty-five degrees such a collision meant taking a big chance with their own boat but the mary jane was half deck forward and the flare of her run would take the shock on the level of her sheer strake quickly he explained his project i'm taking a chance of course if I don't hit her right, he finished. Go ahead, she flung back. I'm all for it. Bill grinned at her enthusiasm, and with the engine running full, he started to edge off and work ahead. But he could not help being impatient at the thought that the contraband might be dropped at any minute and hooked up by the others. He took too close a turn. As the Mary Jane hauled abreast about two hundred yards ahead, the smugglers sighted them. Their motor sailor swerved sharply to port, and with a sudden acceleration, it dived into the gloom and was lost to sight. Bluffed off, he shouted triumphantly. He turned the wheel and was swinging back into the liner's wake when Dorothy gave a cry and pointed to the water off their port quarter. Look, there, there, she screamed. Staring in the same direction, Bill saw what at first he took to be a number of small puffs of spume. Then he saw that they were rectangular. The Mary Jane had already passed them, and a second later they disappeared from view. Bill nearly twisted off the wheel in an effort to put about immediately. The result was to slow down and nearly stop their heavy boat. Gradually the Mary Jane answered her helm, and presently they were headed back in the ship's path. And then, as the Mary Jane was gathering speed, the motor sailor came slipping out of the smother headed straight for the contraband, her broadside presented toward her pursuers. Stand by for a ram, yelled Bill, and pulled out his automatic. Not fifty yards separated the two boats. 
bows to the gale the mary jane bore down on the motor sailor if those aboard her realized their danger they had no time to dodge to shoot ahead or avoid the ram by going hard astern they swerved and the mary jane struck full amidships with a fearful grinding crash bill caught a glimpse of two figures and saw the flame streak out of their barking guns he felt a violent tug at his life-preserver then a yell rang out and the two boats ground together in the heave of the angry sea steadying himself with a hand on the wheel he reversed and his boat hauled away as she backed off he heard the choking cough of the other craft which had now been blotted out by the darkness and the driving sleet bill turned about with a triumphant cry on his lips then checked it suddenly as he saw that dorothy had fallen across the combing and was lying halfway out of the boat end of chapter nine